Hi, this is Alistair Stewart. And this is Brock Wilbur. And you're listening to Carrying Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try and find the silver lining or flip it into something that, while possibly not positive, will at least be productive. Hi, Brock. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I am successfully returned from the first holiday I have taken in a decade that didn't have a convention at the end of it. Um, <laughs> uh, I just, and under no circumstances, have I eaten rubber chicken, although food poisoning did pay a visit to this household. And I have returned home to find out that my job is not on fire because I work with people uh, who are good. So, I mean, that's great. The country's on fire. I actually had to pause because the last time we spoke uh, was when your country was actually on fire through the heat wave. So I was like, yeah. I know the the, the Liz is uh, it was outlasted by a head of lettuce, but uh, I wasn't sure what was happening temperature wise either. So I had to take a second there. <laughs> uh, the the temperature is basically the beginning and the end of the good news in this part of the woods. Um, we, <laughs> we we now have uh, um uh, we have a new monarch who uh, lost a fight with a fountain pen. Seriously. And we are on, I, at the very least, our second prime minister since we last talked. And by a month from now, who knows? Perhaps our fourth. It's bad. It's really bad. It's like the last episode of In the Thick of It got out of the compound, chewed through the wires, and found some kryptonite. It, it's just... Yeah... Someone perfectly described the very real possibility we're facing at the moment of the Prime Minister who had to resign because he was massively inconceivably corrupt and had lied about having parties literally the night before the Queen's husband's funeral. Someone perfectly described the very real possibility that Boris Johnson will be Prime Minister of this country again because, Jesus Christ, that's like trying to put the turd back in your ass. Oh, boy. Yes. That is... Is, is accurate and visceral. Right? I yeah, I that had to sit me. with that one for a while. I was like, oh, I, 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 I that's really good, and I don't like it. Oh. I, I think that we're two people that are built the the black box that we're built out of is simply, oh, I, I like it because it hurts me. So <laughs> that that seems about right. <laughs> oh, oh, but. Earlier today, the back of my brain went. You know what? You need to rewatch. Uh, you, you probably should rewatch it in the thick of it. And the rest of my brain went. You shut your fucking mouth. You shut it now. I rewatch in the thick of it and uh, in the loop, which is simply way too much. There is one line in in the loop which lives rent free in my head and has done since the first time I saw it. And it's it's not. It's that thing that Armando Yunichi does, where there are conversations happening under the conversation that you're supposed to focus on. And it's the, the early line about the, the the female character whose research project is kind of is dogging her and how it, it's always damaging her reputation. And someone has this line delivered d delivered very conversationally about, yeah, that thing's kind of like Frankenstein's monster. You created it even though you shouldn't, and it will destroy you. <laughs> that and and the the, the, the the world's worst motivational speech, the, those fucking movies you like, with, there's the fucking Ben and, and the, the gold Star Wars. That's the one. Just Peter Capaldi's the living embodiment of the phrase is is the hero this country needs right now. He's he's also very noticeably just shown up he's about to show up in a uh, four episode thing for Amazon, which is Doctor Who. It doesn't seem like it's Doctor Who, but it's Doctor Who. He's traveling in time. Huh. Alright. And at one point someone literally goes, Are you a time traveler? And he's like, No, I'm better than that. I'm like, just 
show the box. Show the fucking box. Just, you know, <laughs> admit it. Ad- ad- admit it, you know. <laughs> admit it. <laughs> it, it, it. It's all very weird and strange over here, and I can't say I like very much of it. But it is what I've got. The, this should be what the full lid is. It just becomes like leaving pop culture behind, and you just uh, share your 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 criticisms of life. <laughs> I know that there's plenty of that in full lid, but like if you could just start reviewing the various parts of your country, the the different channels it operates in, politic, sport. <laughs> One of the earliest pseudopods I ever did was a flash story called "Why I Hate Cake." And at this point, my domestic situation was not ideal in a number of different ways. And um, I, I, was, I was very rushed that day. I had to, to rush out to a dentist appointment. And because I lived in the middle of fucking nowhere in New York, and because I hadn't moved from the dentist that my parents had selected 15 years previously when we moved to the city and had just gone, you know what, he'll do. I had to walk about 90 minutes to get to the dentist and then walk 90 minutes back. And as a result, I, a few filters were down because I was late on this episode. And when you listen to it, apparently the first thing you hear is me slumping into a chair, just going. <sighs> okay. And it's, it's a, it's a lovely story. It's, it's this anecdotal horror story about the very good reason why this character hates cake. But to this day, I still get people going, was, was that an outro or a story? Cause you kind of didn't, differentiate them at all and it kind of worked and I was like you pick you go with what works oh well it could it it could be worse <laughs> and 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 it is and it is uh anyway we're gonna start off uh episode 69 of uh carrying into the void um do you feel like this is gonna be a nice episode I do I have a great story for you for this one I I would like to hear the story. Please story me. Uh, the st- I will story you. I will story you all the way up. Um, this the story I have for you this week is Otto von Guericke and the Unicorn of Magdeburg. And aren't those all lovely syllables to hear? Picture the scene. It is 1663, and in a cave near the mountain town of Quedlingburg in Germany, a discovery is made. A skeleton. Bizarre, monstrous, unlike anything previously known in science. Otto von Guericke, and I swear this is true, the Prussian scientist who invented the vacuum pump, takes one look at this thing, does a science, and goes, you know what, lads? That's a unicorn. So let's talk about bones for a moment. And I don't mean the things which are in us all, plotting, awaiting their moment, but the show, the TV show. Uh, It is a TV show in which scientists investigate murders. David Boreanaz uses both his facial expressions. Uh, It's occasionally incredibly sad and absolutely at one point flat out 150% confirms the existence of ghosts. It's it's a good time. You've got to be selective with it, but there's some fun stuff in there. Now, there's a really early episode where one of the characters, Hodgins, is seconded to a study group by his boss, Dr. Goodman. This is to confirm a science thing, something which my research unfortunately has not uncovered. So... For the purposes of this story, all we need to think about is there is a science thing they're not sure about. Goodman wants to poke it and see what happens. He wants Hodgins to help. So, yeah, basically, this is early bones before it gets weird as shit. So all you need to know is Hodgins is angry conspiracy man. Before that rang every warning in cell proximity alarm on Earth. And Goodman just really likes the fact that science knows things. Hodgins is all, we won't confirm this because we won't rock the system because you're a coward. And Goodman demands that this is not true and makes Hodgins spend the entire episode doing scientific method research on the science thing. 
it it turns out it's actually absolutely true. And Hodgins is really disappointed and goes back to patiently waiting for more than one character trait, which happens around episode nine, by the way, the man in the fallout shelter, which is pretty great. And Goodman waits patiently to be written off because he's a scientist. And this is a show where victim facial reconstructions are done in a hologram tank. The Magdeburg unicorn is what happens when Hodgins gets his way and scientific method loses. It is a spine, leg bones, a head, and a horn. If it could speak, it would say two words, and those words would be... Kill me? Kill me. Yes. Or, perhaps, it would tap dance off stage singing, Hello, my baby! Hello, my honey! Hello, my ragtime gal! It's alarming. This thing is so clearly not an animal to our eyes. It's almost farcical. But to the eyes of 1663, this is King Kong. German polymath Gottfried Leibniz signed off on the same thing and left this, quite frankly, metal-as-fuck quote. The horn, together with the head, several ribs, dorsal vertebrae, and bones, were brought to the town's serene abbess, he wrote in his geology and natural history book, Protogea. One is thus inclined to suspect that nature, using volcanoes as furnaces and mountains as alembics, has accomplished in her mighty works what we play at with our little examples in laboratories. Now, firstly, this is Jurassic Park science in 1663, and secondly, nature forging animals in the mountains. I can hear the guitar solo. Thirdly, the fact he was wrong puts me in mind of nothing more than that moment from Reynolds vs. Reynolds, the serial defense from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where Mac calls science and everyone who believes in it a little bitch. Of course, once people did actual science to the thing, it fell over pretty quickly, but perhaps not as quickly as if it was real. Now it's a fun curiosity, although in the most German practical joke to ever, Germany, the skeleton was actually the subject of an April Fool's prank by the State Office for the Preservation of Monuments and Archaeology, Saxony-Anhalt, who claimed that newly extracted DNA confirmed that it was an extinct, extinct species known as Monoceros Mendaciloquus, a rare Pleistocene hoofed animal whose last descendants died in the late Middle Ages. Very few German scientists laughed. After all, it had long ago been identified as a mammoth skeleton, just a partial one. But I hope, at least, one elite Lego builder was taking note and has begun work on the reconstruction. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have a caring to go with this one? I do. They don't see all of you. They see parts assembled from impression, glued together with bias. They are entranced by who they think you are, and that is delicious in the same way a glass of iced water is on a hot day. But it's also how they imprison you. Trap you in what they expect, not what you are, and when they do, there will be times when you are so desperate to feel something that you just let them. You won't let them for long. Because even in this form, especially in this form, you have power, and when you break free, your dread cry will echo across the land, and you will race to your true self, leaving their shattered perceptions behind, and leaving them where they thought to keep you down. Ride on, unicorns. Ride on. Ride on, unicorns, yes, yes, yes. Oh, Fuck yes! This, this is my day. Yes, yes, yes. I adored that. 
I adore I adore the ones where you're like, what if half of it was an aside to a television show that some <laughs> of you haven't seen, most of you haven't seen, don't in fact don't see it, but that's the framing by which I understand what I'm presenting. I like that. It's very bones view. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I just I long ago realized that my primary coping tool for the world was what series drama does this remind me of? And frankly, I'm just I'm staring into it like the kid in Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Uh, so I've got one for us today. Uh, I'm talking about Plant Machete. Oh, I'm already excited. Cool. I'm going to send this to you in chat, uh, and then uh, I'm going to describe to you what you are seeing. It's only about a minute-long video, so uh, I'll let you enjoy this. But the the basic thing here is that we're dealing with a uh, an art, uh, art artist, uh, installation artist from Belgium, uh, who has a long history of making objects that via electrical impulses or so some other input are art projects controlled by something that you wouldn't normally think could control something. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead and enjoy that video. Right. So, so what he's getting to watch here is video of a, of a plant that's mounted on a wall, a normal house plant. There's some electrodes hooked to it. And then there is a large white robot arm, and at the end of that robot arm is a gigantic machete. And uh, what you can see happening here is this plant has a control system that reads and utilizes the electrical noises found in a live philodendron. The system uses an open source microcontroller connected to the plant to read varying resistance signals across the plant's leaves. Using custom software, these signals are mapped in real time to the movements of the joints of the industrial robot arm holding a machete. In this way, the movements of the machine are determined based on input from the plant. Essentially, the plant is the brain of the robot controlling a large arm with a machete, determining how it swings, jabs, slices, and interacts with the space. And to be clear, it's not like this is a slow movement here of, of, of the knife. This robot arm and gigantic machete, by, by extension, are constantly moving. Uh, it, is, it is a very small plant. The machete is maybe four times its size. And it is doing a lot of very intricate knife work. Like, it's, it's, it's not random. It's big, gigantic, very strong slices, cuts. At several points here in a one-minute video, uh, you can see it literally twist a blade. Like, it stabs and then twists a little at the end. And I'm just like, I don't know how plant knows how to do that. But uh, within, within its leaves, it's like, uh, you know, if I had any agency in this world, the one thing I would like <laughs> to do is really just stab everyone that I've ever seen. Uh, so... You can check out this artist. His name is David Bowen. DWBowen.com has a lot of his other installation work, uh, which includes uh, a thing called the fly carving device, which having seen the knife one, I was like, I don't want to see flies. <laughs> cut up. No, uh, it, it turns out that he's got a bunch of flies in a jar, uh, uses uh, inputs from their movement, and a large um, drilling device carves a giant uh, chunk of, of material into shapes and art based on how the flies move oh around. My God. Uh, he also has a device that allows clouds to tweet or play the piano. That's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, he's got a ton of stuff here at dwbowen.com, uh, which is all, like, uh, seemingly uh, weaponizing the world around us and allowing it to get back at us. I'm not sure which I which I fear more, being stabbed by a plant or having a cloud tweet mean things at me. 
<laughs> whatever allows god's green earth to really twist the goddamn blade on us so um yeah i've been obsessed with uh with plant machete since i first saw it because it it it, it truly is it taps into something just visceral about like it, this is the most innocuous looking house plant imaginable even it wants to murder so badly that it will throw a robot arm out of the wall it is clearly trying to reach at anyone and everything and i'm just like oh wow the 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 ability for everything around me to wish that i was dead is is truly spectacular <laughs> the thing that really blows me away about that is kind of twofold firstly i can't help but look at that and and hear the phrase your move boston dynamics and secondly i can only hope the writer's room for the newly assembled new season of black mirror are looking at that going, okay, kill a rhododendron. We can make that work. I mean, I feel like if it's Black Mirror, what they have to do here is is go the other direction. So like, hey, what if we allowed knives to grow plants? Oh. Like, it's got to be, we've, we've already gotten here where we've weaponized the plants. Uh, <laughs> boy, howdy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they're carrying into the void on this one. Tis the season to prune your enemies down to size. For too long they've trimmed at you, pulled at your branches, discarded your leaves, and forgot to water your soil. They forget your needs the moment anything else happens in their silly little lives full of silly little distractions, and perhaps they need a reminder. Perhaps they all need something to remember you by. Sure, you're just one small part of the daily experience of other people, and they have their own priorities and goals and dreams, and that's certainly fine. That's fine. But when you suffer because others are too obsessed with self to do the bare minimum required on your shelf to water you and help you to grow well, perhaps a quick trim will make them right within. Surely they'll grow back fuller than before. That is so good. That is so fucking good. <laughs> good job, buddy. I, I feel like this is one of those episodes where I, I sort of hope that we'd both wound up doing it just to be like, I just want, a, a, sometimes you just want both persons, both people's caring on something like this. And honestly, knife plant feels feels <laughs> like it was built in a lab for us, literally in a lab. I, <laughs> I, I do love that the, you brought up like, this is a year move Boston Dynamics. Boston Dynamics, if you don't know, they're the ones that are always putting out the videos of like, look, we, we built this robot dog and we all kick it. And you're like, stop kicking the robot stop dog. Doing that. It's going to rise yeah. up. Uh, but like, they're actually the ones building things that'll be used by the Mill and Harry to like do Terminators on other countries. So like those videos are always really upsetting because you're like, mm, you, you're trying to make this cute and I see what you're doing. I love that it took a sensitive artist man from Belgium to, to cut through the bullshit and be like, no, no, no. Give knife, to, give plants a sword. Give Carly Rae Jepsen and plants swords. That's all. <laughs> There's nothing cute about this. It should be absolutely terrifying. I could do this with anything. I did it with a fucking plant. He clearly has the ability to also give weapons to clouds and flies at the very least. And I think also uh, the surface of water. So I, I look. This man has the technology to really bring all of us down. We should be very nice to David Bowen. If you're in Belgium, would you bake that man a cake <laughs> or send him some pornography? I have no idea what uh, we need to do to calm this man or his house plants, but like, please do it. Please do it for all of us. See, all I can see now is the, is the like Bond movie cliche of the United Nations, and suddenly David Bowen appears on on the huge TV screen. And just looks around at everyone and goes, I have a jar of flies that can shit post you to death on Reddit. 
You know what you have to do. <laughs> Click. What is your uh, self-caring into the void this week? Uh, my self-caring into the void this week is not working all the time, which I think might be the single most fucking basic piece of self-care I've ever discovered. I have a feeling that every other episode on here, that is the self-caring into the void moment. Like, did you know you can walk away? And then we have to relearn it two weeks later. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that tracks. And I mean, the good news is I'm at, I'm at the point right now where I'm like, no, wait, I don't have to work all the time. This is, this is good. This is good. Okay, good. I can sleep and be outside and i mean you know the i think in about a week and a half the the days are going to get shorter over here so it's going to be daylight okay it's nighttime now like the the day the day cycle in the uk is like the old episode of friends where john favreau competes in the ufc and joey sticks his head through there and goes fight started 10 seconds later fights finished it's, it's about that long <laughs> yeah i'm not working all the time which is really nice i'm not quite doing like relaxing edifying things for fun i'm you know i'm not reading as much as i want to but i saw an incredibly average movie yesterday and i left the house to do it and i'm not working past nine o'clock at night most nights or and yeah that's good that that that, that, that that's that's my self-care don't work all the time yay <laughs> oh my self-care over here is that i've been doing more grounding exercises uh trying to pull myself out of things by being like okay i can tell we're doing the little brain spiral let's do something that centers us and uh, one that's proved really effective to me despite hearing about it for years like anything from yoga on down the moment that you turn off that part of your brain that goes mm, that sounds like bullshit you're like, oh, there's there's something here. Uh, so I've been doing this grounding exercise where you stop and you uh, identify five things in the room. You just look at them and you say them to yourself either out loud or in your head, just stopping and being like, wall, the wall is green, ceiling, ceiling is white. What's that over there? It's a keyboard. The keys are white and black. I can smell something and uh, my foot is a little asleep and then you're you're right back to it and you're like oh i've centered myself in the space but unfortunately the thing that i've realized is that this is very difficult for me to do because i'm a messy bitch who lives for drama uh so like i i find myself in other people's spaces doing this and i'm like uh let's see okay uh the uh the table over there uh it's got wood paneling on it tacky shit <laughs> uh, that piece of art over there paid too much for it like i in my head i'm just such a sass machine that i'm like I, I get done and i'm like right i'm in the space and i judge this person based on their space i'm like okay so this isn't the the calming thing or maybe being uh, a judgy piece of shit uh is centering to me i don't know i'm feeling more calm when i do this and more present in a space because it, it stops me from actively looking at my phone for 30 seconds which is sometimes all that it takes or a computer screen but uh but within that, I've had to rediscover that I'm, yeah, I'm not always great to be around on the inside or the outside. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's another thing to look at. So that's a self care that's also uh, opening a door to, to other other journeys for the future for your mental health. So use use sparingly or uh, give that one a try. Do you have a sharing into the void this week? I do. Um, one of the things I have been doing for fun is I've been playing more video games and. I, I I really like games which are single player because I don't like having Doobie Lord 69 all up in my grill while I'm trying to, you know, unlock the lost vaults of Mars or some shit. And uh, I have discovered the Dark Side Detective series by Spooky Door Games, and they are fucking delightful. 
The basic premise, for those who are unfamiliar with them, is you play Detective Francis McQueen of the Twin Lakes Police Department, who, along with his intrepid best friend and partner, Officer Dooley, a man who, one and a half games into the series, I remain unconvinced, does not have the first name, Officer, investigate a wide variety of strange crimes and supernatural events. This really is one of those game series where uh, the answer to the question, who are you going to call, is probably Dooley and McQueen's bosses, because they're probably already there and it's their fault. It is incredibly funny and really weird and strangely really sweet and kind. And it's old school pixelated point and click adventures. You get, I think, nine scenarios in the first game and another nine in the second. And it has made me laugh so hard I've had difficulty seeing. To give you an example of just how, just what kind of sense of humor these games have. The week the first the the new Hellraiser movie was released, the Dark Side Detective official Twitter account tweeted, "Hey, remember that time Dooley and McQueen went to hell?" And there's a shot of the pair of them standing next to the pyramids, next to what is very clearly the original Hellraiser Cenobites, endearingly rendered in eight bit pixels. And all McQueen says is, "Huh, looks like they really did have some sights to show us." Except it's S I G H I T S. Oh. <laughs> or tourist sites, you know, and it, it is it's adorable and really funny and odd, and I'm loving them to tiny pieces. There is a moment uh, in this the the scenario that we finished just before we went away on holiday where they go and see Dooley's gran, who's in the local nursing home, and one of them has this time where it's really quiet, isn't it? Yeah. And then a flaming wheelchair enters the screen from one side and rolls through to the other, and there is a long, awkward pause, and then McQueen just goes yeah, we should probably check that out. And I just, I, I am 150% there for that that type of humor just all the way down. Also, there's a lovely running gag in that module where every time you go see Granny, she just gives you more tea and sandwiches. And it, it's basically <laughs> infinite. It's really good. So do you have a uh, sharing into the void for us this week, Brooke? Yeah, uh, mine's also a game. Uh, you can grab it uh, on uh, Xbox and several other platforms right now. Uh, Scorn. Ooh. Uh, Scorn just came out ahead of the holidays. Uh, it is an H.R. Geiger body horror thing that, like, does not in any way hold your hand. You're some sort of humanish creature. You wake up in a bizarre, fleshy tomb of some sort on, on an alien planet, maybe. Uh, and there is no dialogue, there is no text, there is no UI or inventory or whatever. You're just sort of dropped into a space with a bunch of weird, horrifying, unsettling shit, uh, and you've just got to figure it out. But one of the things that the, the game does very well besides doing absolutely no hand-holding so that this is all just sort of incredibly bizarre, like if Mist was made out of flesh. Oh! And you're just sort of like, I think I'm solving a puzzle, but also, I, I don't know, I might be playing with the inter internal organs of some creature I don't understand, or building a chair. I really <laughs> don't fully understand. It, it actually does an incredible job of making sure that you are constantly reminded of the body that you are in. Uh, so there's a lot of things that involve, like, jamming your hands into various control systems that involve pointing you with spikes or something to control them or your feet are somehow entangled in something your entire body is sort of always pulled into this so there is a there is an incredible sense of grounding in inside of of your own flesh husk 
uh, navigating this thing, and it is it is deeply unsettling, uh, but not as unsettling as just the entirety of it is, because I, I sincerely don't know how to tell anyone what I'm doing at any moment, and usually not myself either. So it is, uh, it's, it's been a while since I encountered something that, like, took this long for me to crack even the basics of what I was supposed to be doing and did not in any way think to turn to a walkthrough of some sort. I was like, no, this is going to get the time it, it, it wants for me because I think it's really earned it out of the gate. Like, if, if I spend multiple hours not solving the first real puzzle, but I am exploring this giant, ludicrous space and just everything is more confusing than the thing that came before it, then good, that's what I was supposed to experience here. So I... Uh, I got started on that two days ago, and I've been giving it little chunks of time here and there, and it's 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 been a while since I played something that every second of it was just disquieting, even the parts where absolutely nothing is happening. I can stand still and be very upset by what I'm seeing and hearing, uh, so in that way it feels like I'm playing an early Silent Hill game again in a way that very few things have managed to capture. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a stunning achievement, so uh, if you get a chance... Uh, throw it on but also go in as blind as possible because not that i could possibly spoil anything i don't know what i could say there's I, what am i going to do give you the name of a character there that's not a thing <laughs> so yeah that's a scorn uh give that a look-see that's my sharing that that sounds squelchy and delightful and speaking of squelchy <laughs> and delightful um if you like the show please consider um leaving a review on your podcatcher of choice or just in general, if you have a blog, write about us there. If you have a Twitter, write about us there. Also, if, if you are having an good time, then uh, you might be interested in our merchandise, which has been produced by Jordan Shively, uh, who is one of the originators of the show and just a deeply, profoundly lovely human being who's done all kinds of stuff over at Void Merch. Go along, take a look. There are T-shirts, there are books, there are stickers, and not just for us, for legions of authors and other shows, including the other ones I do. Uh, and Jordan is is profoundly good people. So if you can, and you, if you want stuff, Jordan's got stuff. He's got good stuff. He'll give you stuff. Basically, is what we're saying. So, I does that. I think that that about wraps us up for the week, doesn't it? Uh, I have been Brock Wilbur. I've been Alistair Stewart. You can follow me on Twitter at Alistair Stewart, where we can all attempt to survive this hell site together. We will see you on the next episode. And remember, keep your hearts dark and true, and your teeth sharp and many. And we'll see you again next time in the void. In the void! Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>